So yes, I am Josh. I am a compulsive overeater. And I want to thank Carol for asking to speak on this virtual Zoom meeting. And as we were going through the, the how it works, I was just, I, I moved over to the gallery view and I'm scrolling through and looking at all your beautiful faces throughout the world. And um, it's, it's really uh, pretty powerful and amazing um, to, to be able to do that. So one of, one, one of, the, one of the, the, the blessings, I guess, that would, have, that would have come from this is that we get to have this meeting um, like this. And for that, I am grateful. Um, and, um, and certainly a lot of people on the call that wouldn't have been able to make it to Beverly Hills for uh, the kitchen sink meeting in person. Um, I want uh, June 29th um, of, of last year um, celebrated uh, 17 years of um, abstinence one day at a time. And I do have some things that I want to share with you to kind of show. Oh, you don't, you don't let me, uh, you don't let me share my screen. So um, I guess that won't be a possibility. Um, but if it was, I, I can let you, uh, I can add you to the screen share. All right, cool. Just let me know when that happens and I'll, uh, and I'll go over and do that. Um, but, um, but I have some pictures to kind of um, show what uh, what used to look like um, and so on. But I don't remember a time where I wasn't a compulsive overeater. Um, I, you know, since I, since I was young, all, all our, most of my, you know, great memories were around food. Um, and, um, you know, my mom, who I think may or may not be on the call um, today, she's an incredible crook, amazing woman. Um, and I'd get home from school, and my first question for her would be, what's for dinner? And most of the time, it would be something great, and everything would be okay. Um, but sometimes, believe it or not, she'd be making something that Josh, you know, that I wasn't in the mood for, and that would ruin my life. That would ruin my night. I wouldn't know how I was going to get through the night without having the food that I wanted when I wanted it. And, okay, now I'm able to share my screen. So let's do this. Um, so first I'll share some of this. So these are um, pictures um, from before. This is from my senior year of high school. Um, I'd gotten um, pretty out of hand with the food, which I'll talk about later. And being fat was such a big part of my identity. So you can see there's some kind of offensive things in there. And this is kind of what I thought would be fun and cool to show who I was. And then here's some pictures from before. of the Ghirardelli Square in San Francisco, which I was convinced that that's where I would get married. And I would know that that's who I was going to marry because she'd be interested in getting married there. Um, I had other theories too. We'd go to Chinese restaurants and order the beef and broccoli and I would eat the beef and she would eat the broccoli, but those things didn't happen. So, um, and then let's see what we got here. And then um, if you were on the meeting early, people were asking for me to um, bring the child on. 10 weeks ago, we had um, Helen B, Helen B Passman. And uh, this is Helen right here from um, 7.45 this morning um, from our feed. So this is hot off the press um, picture of Helen, um, who was very much, had just enjoyed her bottle. So, all right, there we go. Um, I, one of my favorite memories to show, to share, and Jack would kill me if I didn't share it, is um, we, when I was um, young, younger in elementary school, we were going to be going on a car trip um, with my friend and my friend's dad. And, um, and it was about an hour car, hour and a half car trip. And so I got all excited and I went to my parents' pantry who has all sorts of fun foods. 
and different stuff. And I packed it up, two grocery bags worth of food. I still remember exactly um, what I had um, in the grocery bags. And I got my friend's um, dad's car, was sitting in the back seat. And he turns to the back seat and says, Josh, there's no eating in my car. And um, I still uh, remember the fear and the resentment and not knowing how I was going to get through that hour and a half car ride without the food that I wanted um, when I wanted it. And, and that's what it was like. Um, and when I got to high school, you know, in, in college, it got really out of hand with the food. As you saw from what I shared earlier um, from my senior year of high school, food was such a big part of my identity. Um, I thought that people liked me um, because I was fat and the jovial and funny um, guy. I, would, I was made fun of a lot growing up um, for being overweight and so on. And with sports, it was really difficult because um, I was never very athletic, as you can imagine. Um, and um, I um, would kind of, you know, got some advice that was like, oh, if you laugh at yourself with it, if you make fun of yourself with it, they won't want to make fun of you. So I would kind of, you know, take that to an extreme level um, with, the, with the food and, and, and you know, and, and, and making fun of myself with it. And, um, and, you know, they put me in charge of a fighting contest in high school and, you know, all sorts of uh, fun stuff. And I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. And I thought that that's why everyone, you know, liked me um, was because of um, the food. Um, but really it was a way for me to justify the way that I wanted to continue to eat. Um, and it was a way for me to not have to actually be, show up and be present. I could have the, the food and the weight barrier. And um, when I got to college, it got really out of hand um, with the food because um, they had the all you could eat um, dormitory stuff. And so I'd go there and I would eat and, you know, the dorms would open at like five o'clock and I would um, eat, you know, double portions of food um, at the, at the, at, for dinner um, at the dorm. And then I would oftentimes hit the drive through. So I would go um, to um, the drive. Um, I, I'd go to the drive through and get double portions of food at like midnight or, or, or whatever it was. And then oftentimes I'd be going to the 24 hour drive through after that at three, four in the morning or hitting the donut shop and that kind of thing. Um, and I liked the, the drive-through type stuff because it was greasy, it was deep fried, it was quick. Um, there was like meat, there was, dip, you know, it was, there was dessert stuff. It was like, it was just like, it was cheap and it numbed me out and it was right, right to the point. Um, and so, you know, that was, that was my, that's my drug of choice. And um, it would get so, um, I would eat so much that I would be sitting on the toilet um, with diarrhea, you know, because I'd eaten so much. Um, and this was fairly often. And I would say to myself, Josh, you know, you can't eat like this anymore. You can't continue to do this. Um, and then an hour and a half later, two hours later, a few hours later, um, I'd be eating again. And, and that's, what, that's what it was like. Um, and, um, and I was going into my um, junior year of college and um, I started to do exercise for the first time in years. I hadn't done any exercise. Um, since, since really high school, I really just was eating. Um, and my dad um, had gotten into um, OA um, about five years um, prior um, to that. And I had seen him kind of go um, with his food on, you know, and weight fluctuate, you know, with different diets, different, different plans, different stuff. And then he came to OA and it was different. Um, he had what I now understand to be a sense of serenity around his food in his life that he didn't have um, before. But more importantly, he was sticking to it for a lot longer. 
Um, the other stuff you would stick to for maybe a year or two, but this would seem to be um, something that he was, you know, or that he was doing more. And so I thought for the first time, um, as I was doing this exercise, do I want to actually take a look at this food thing? Because I was not a yo-yoer, I was a yo. You know, I just was eating, eating, eating. Um, there was one time where I lost weight, and it was because, you know, in, um, in high school we did a, um, a, a, a trip to Israel, and with that trip to Israel, there was like certain food times, so it was hard for me to eat at other times. And then on top of that, there was all this exercise. So I lost all this weight and I got back and everyone's like, oh, you look great. That, that pissed me off. Um, and then they said, you know, the hard part is losing the weight, which we all know is not the case. And, um, and so, you know, just keep it up. And I consciously made the decision that I wanted to gain the weight back in some, because um, I didn't, you know, I wasn't comfortable with that. And I wanted to eat the way that I wanted to eat. I mean, that's just, that's my thing. Um, is if I think about it and I want to eat it, then that's it. It's in my mouth. And, um, and so I asked my dad about Overeaters Anonymous for, for the first time. And, um, and instead of talking to me about it, he brought me my first meeting. And we went to the Serenity Sunday meeting, um, which meets at Roxbury Park in Beverly Hills on Sundays. Uh, there's a newcomer meeting at 10 a.m., which we went to. And then there's the main meeting um, at 10.30 a.m. to 12 p.m. Um, we have also moved to Zoom. So if you haven't checked it out, it's a really, really great meeting. We get um, about as many people as are on here or slight, slightly less, but it's, uh, I mean, 148 is pretty, pretty amazing. But we, uh, it, I, I would highly recommend coming and checking it out tomorrow um, if you're able to. And if you're ever in LA, please come to this meeting and, and come to that meeting when we start up again. And we'd love to, to welcome you there. And I love that meeting because it's always, it's, it's my home meeting because um, it's always on a Sunday. It's always the park. So it's always fun. And the speaker at the meeting, at the main meeting, um, he um, had lost over 100 pounds and he'd been, you know, maintaining the weight loss for years. I'd never heard of that. And he had this huge belt buckle that he put around his belt to show where it was compared to where he is now. And I was just totally, you know, blown away. And he started talking about food um, the way that I was just describing it. Then he started talking about the higher power or God and, you know, other stuff. I didn't understand why he was doing that. And then, course i'll probably start doing the same um but um and then um and, and then a guy came up to me after the meeting and he was younger than i am now he was probably in his late 20s um but i at the time was 19 um and he said um and he was at a total normal weight and he said josh i used to be over 400 pounds um here's my number so i was intrigued so i called him and i called up this young man and he said josh um, before you make up your mind on this program, go to at least six meetings. Because if you go to enough meetings, you might even hear your story. And I have heard my story countless, countless, countless times um, in this program. I did, um, I listened to a um, podcast this morning um, before this one during the feeding. Um, and that was my story. Um, and I've heard it from people that on the outside, we might have little to nothing um, in common. It might be different, um, different race, different gender, different socioeconomic, different countries, different cultures, anything. But as soon as we start talking about this disease and the way that, um, the way that we think about food and life mm -hmm. and relationships and our crazy thinking, it's the same. It's exactly the same. So, um, 
So if you're new, keep coming back. Go to at least six meetings um, before you make up your mind. You might even you might even hear your story. And um, I had a hard time finding a guy to sponsor me um, in the beginning. Um, at the time, there weren't as many guys um, in Overeaters Anonymous. So I um, went to, uh, an, uh, I was a few weeks in and I couldn't find anyone. Um, so I went to a, a men's stag meeting. Um, and at that meeting, um, no, but they didn't have at the time um, a, a, an opportunity for sponsors to um, introduce themselves. So the, um, so at the end of the meeting, I said, um, hey, guys, I've been coming to the program for a few weeks. I'm looking for a guy to sponsor me. Can anybody help me out? Three people came up to me after that meeting and gave me their phone number. Um, and that was how I got my first sponsor. And so they'd be willing to sponsor me. And my first sponsor, God bless him, um, was very, was, you know, amazing guy, exactly who I needed at the time. Um, called him for a couple of years. He ended up going out um, after, but he was exactly what I needed when I needed it. Um, my higher power put him um, in my life. And um, I've, you know, been thinking about a lot of different um, times kind of in my recovery as we've been kind of in this um, self-quarantine. And one of the experiences that I had really early, less than a year in the program, about nine months, was I was going to be studying abroad in Australia. And it was, um, I was really nervous about what I was going to do because at the time they didn't have um, Skype, you know, the, the like ability to call the United States for, for cheaply with Skype or, you know, different things. So I had to get, um, I had to find meetings out there. Um, but people before I went gave me these 08 tapes. So that's what we used to have was these cassette tapes. And I had this mini um, cassette player from this um, cruise uh, convention um, that OA had done. I remember listening to these tapes and then I called and found the OA meeting um, that was about 30 minutes from where I was staying. It was on Saturdays. I went there every Saturday to this meeting. I got a sponsor. This, this amazing woman, you know, took my calls every day um, for, the, for those two months, helped me work step six and seven at the time. I mean, just, incredible um, stuff and it's like now we have these meetings we have we've had the phone meetings for a really long time which I also um, just just love but we have you know and, and then the face-to-face the -face meetings if you you know when we can do them and especially you know so grateful to be in Los Angeles where there's just so many um, and so much um, recovery it's just you know cannot wait until I get to you know um, see a lot of you um, at an LA meeting and, and, and give you a hug and, and say hello. Um, but um, the, um, one of the things that's, that's, that I've really learned from the, uh, the phone meetings um, was um, at the end of the phone meetings, you, you do a prayer um, and they have everybody unmute themselves and then they do a prayer. And about five years ago or so, um, my sponsor and I started ending our phone calls with a prayer. And, you know, I talk to my sponsor every day. Um, and, um, and so when we talk, you know, we do, we do a prayer at the end. And if I don't get them on the phone, I'll leave a message with a prayer. And then with my sponsees, I try to do the same thing. And if they don't get me, they'll leave a message with the prayer. So um, throughout the day, whether it's talking to a sponsor or sponsee or listening to a voicemail, um, I can either pray with the voicemail or I can pray with the person um, on the call. And that's something that I um, learned from, um, from doing 
doing phone meetings. It's a nice way to get reconnected um, with my higher power because um, it is really easy for me to, to, to get away from my higher power. And I do want to talk about my sponsor. Um, he is my sponsor because he has what I want. Um, I went through um, a few different sponsors um, before I got to him. And he has over 35 years um, of, of abstinence. Um, he has a relationship with um, his family um, that I would want. He's very he's one of the most patient and loving people um, that I know. He has a relationship with um, his higher power that I want. He's one of the most spiritual um, people that I know. Um, he works a program that I want. He makes more outreach calls than anybody um, that I know. He um, is of service, um, big time, big time of service. And, um, and I call him every day. And, and, and the reason I ended up getting to him is I had another sponsor who I really liked a lot, um, but I could never get him on the phone. And, um, and I would call and I would leave messages and, you know, maybe once a week he would call back and we didn't always connect. And I, you know, and then the sponsor that I have was someone that would call me all the time because I said he makes a lot of outreach calls. And every time I call him back or make an outreach call to him, I would get him. And it was like, oh, if this is what I'm looking for, maybe, you know, this is, this is, this could be a good sponsor. And he, it's like, he's so subtle um, and easygoing and it's just, it, it, it's worked, you know, really well. Um, and I'm really grateful to have him um, in my life. Um, and, and I tell him that all the time. And, and he does something amazing too. It's like uh, before, um, before I worked with him, it was like, I, I was brought up that you don't call your sponsees. That's another thing. Like, oh, your sponsees are supposed to call you. You're not supposed to, you know, really call and check in on them. Well, that's not his style. He'll have a sponsee that he hasn't worked with in 10 years and he'll still call them um, and, and check in. And that can be important. You know, just even if they don't call back, but getting that message um, can be important. And one of the things that he'll do is like on every holiday, he'll call all his sponsees and wish them the happy holiday, kind of getting ahead of it, you know. Um, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I call him and every time I call him, it's always the same. It's always, well, Josh, can I share with you my experience? And I'm like, yeah, you know, of course. And I want him to give me advice. I'm like, can you just tell me, you know, <laughs> what I'm supposed to do here? And he's like, well, it's always like, can I share with you my experience? Um, and I'm like, yeah, of course you can share with me experience. You've, you know, we've been working together for, you know, 10 plus years or whatever it's been, you know, 12 years. I don't even know. Um, and um, he's like, well, Josh, if I, um, if I pray about it and if I write about it, um, my higher power will give me the answer. So, um, and it's always, and it's like, well, have you written about it? And it's like, well, not quite. And, you know, have you, uh, have you prayed, prayed about it? Well, no, because, you know, did you hear what they did? You know? Um, so, um, yeah, I still have this disease. Um, my time is up for, um, for the, for the share portion, but you'll get to hear me in the question portion coming up after the tradition. So stay tuned. Um, Josh, this is the time. Yeah, um, people can raise their hands, and you can see it on the participant list, and you can call on them. Um, but if you want help, if you want me to to call on them for you, uh, I can do that. So whichever way, that's the easiest way, so that people aren't talking over each other. Yeah, I can already see that we have Noam and Julie and a bunch of people with questions. So okay. we'll, I'll, I'll be able to I'll be able to handle it. I uh, will thank you, Carol. Yeah, cool.
Um, this is the time for questions only. Yeah, if you could just tell me once we're out of time, that'll be helpful. Um, there's no sharing at this meeting. Um, if you need to share, please do so with one of us after the meeting. And good news is I left my phone number right here, so you can probably see it's the 310-292-2881. Call me. I need the calls right now, so please call me. Um, and uh, also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own um, and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. And if you have a question, please click the raise your hand um, icon, and it looks like Noam has a question. Hey, Josh, thank you for that wonderful uh, lead. Uh, I really responded to your uh, talking about good sponsorship and a good sponsor-sponsor relationship. My question to you is mm -hmm. when you're a sponsor and you find yourself reaching out more and your sponsee is not working your program, which, uh, anyways, when is, when is it appropriate to have a discussion about um, the relationship? Uh, in your experience, do you find that like letting go of the sponsees is, is helpful to them or is it hurtful? Thanks a lot. Great. Um, yeah, look, I've, my experience is that it's usually kind of worked itself out naturally um, after a while. Um, one of my um, expectations um, of my sponsees that I tell to them early is, hey, I call my sponsor every day, so I kind of expect um, for you to call me every day. And a lot of people are not, you know, willing to even jump, you know, that hurdle or close to that hurdle, even if it's every other day um, or whatever, whatever that may, may be. Um, and so that's, a, that's an easy thing to kind of reinforce with someone that's only checking in when it's bad every week or a couple weeks um, and so on. Um, but I find that when it's someone um, that I'm ultimately unable to help right now, um, that it usually kind of works itself out that way. And sometimes after, you know, you know, months of, you know, or whatever it might be, doing it, I'll say, look, I'm not sure if I'm, you know, uh, able, you know, if I'm, if I'm helping you or able to help you and, and so on. And one of the things that I do um, with my sponsors when I start the relationship is tell them, hey, I've gone, I've been with a lot of different sponsors um, and I've had a lot of different sponsees. Um, and I will completely not be offended if at any point you feel like um, this relationship isn't working. Like it's not, like we can still be friends, we can still be part of the fellow, you know, be part of this fellowship. And if, if the sponsor sponsee relationship doesn't work, that's totally fine. That's, that's, that's no problem. So, but, but sometimes, you know, it, it'll, it'll come up um, and so on. So Julie T. Hi, thanks, Josh. Um, what's your experience taking your sponsees through steps eight and nine? Sure. Is, is it the same for each one? The experience taking sponsees through step eight and nine, is it the same? No, because some people take a lot longer um, with eight and nine um, than others. I've had sponsees, you know, really um, sit on it, um, do a couple and then, you know, kind of wait or, you know, just not want to do that last one or, or just not even want to start in the first place. Cause sometimes when people start um, things are, things tend to go a lot different um, than you'd think um, that it would. Um, I've had amends in this program um, that I've made where I thought that the person would not take my call. There's no way they would take my call. And then not only did they take the call, but allowed me to um, go up, you know, travel, see them in person, take a walk, and actually be able to do the amends um, in person. So it shows shows what I know versus what my higher power um, kind of knows. But um, but I found the nine step promises to uh, 
to be true for myself and for many of my small foods. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna botch the name. It's Italome. Italome. <laughs> Italome. I knew I was gonna botch the name. No problem. Hey Josh, thanks so much for sharing. Thanks so much for uh, those photos. Oh my goodness, what it was like before and what it's like now. Your baby is gorgeous. I want her. Um, we agree. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> so. Uh, my question was actually, how did you go from a person who felt like, as far as relationships and family, felt like the ideal partner would be someone to get married at a, a chocolate store, share food, <laughs> <laughs> to, you know, what you had, if you're comfortable talking more specifically about how you guys got together, what you have now, and how a program was a part of that, and how that really does reflect recovery. Sure. Like, looking back, there was a lot of things that I would have liked to have said um, during this share that I was not able to say. And, and I blame the 20 beautiful people that came onto this call for the first time. So, um, But uh, no, it's uh, it, it really amazing how many new people we have. But um, I have a threefold disease, um, physical, emotional, spiritual. That's what, that's what this disease is, the compulsive overeating. The physical was easy for me to see because I, I was overweight. I could not physically start, stop eating. When I started, I could not stop, especially if I had, you know, the binge foods and so on. I could not stop. Um, emotional um, was a little bit harder, but then I could see it because it was, like, very clear that I was, you know, um, eating um, over, over my emotions and not really actually connecting. Um, and, then the, um, and then the spiritual disease as well. I have a God-sized hole. And I was trying to fill it up with food. And there is not enough food. There's not enough food out there. It's not, it's not there. And there's a lot, okay? But there's not enough. And um, the only thing that, that fits there is, is my higher power when I'm willing to turn to my higher power today. Um, and the, to, to be in a relationship today, you know, we just, last year we celebrated 10 years of marriage. We had our first um, child that wasn't a, it wasn't an easy road to, um, to, to have our, our first child, but it was a beautiful one. And it was the one that our higher power um, had in, in store for us. And, um, and, and, and with my wife, I can connect with her on all three levels. And before program, I couldn't connect with anyone on all three levels. I can connect with her physically, which is a miracle of this program and working the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. I can connect with her emotionally which is also um, a huge deal to be able to say how I feel um, and, and talk with her and stand up for myself because I am big time into the people pleasing and all that stuff, especially um, in relationships. And, um, and I can connect with her on a spiritual level. Um, we, we pray together and, and do, that, do that kind of stuff. And every night we, you know, we, do, we, do a, we do a prayer with our, with our daughter you know, to, before she goes to sleep. And um, my wife and I look forward to that. And we think that our daughter um, does the same. It seems to, you know, make her kind of sleepy and, and happy. So it's a beautiful thing to be able to connect um, with my family on those levels. Um, and, uh, you know, it's like Jack knows because it's like my bar mitzvah. It was all about the food, you know, and then the wedding. It was, you know, all about getting married, you know, was able to connect with her and have, it, have that spiritual portion. So good question. Thank you. Um, Ju uh, we had Julie already, Carla, 
Hi, Josh. Good morning. And wow, yes, welcome newcomers. I know newcomers always ask about abstinence, it seems. And, um, you know, as you were saying, um, the comparison about the bar mitzvah and the wedding and your relationship to food, but what do you do when the food really, excuse my morning New Jersey coming out, kicks you in the ass? What do you do? Sure. Yeah, look, I, you know, that's why it's like we make the calls when things are bad, when things are good, so that we're still making the calls, you know, when things are bad. Um, and it's so, so important. Um, and, you know, getting to the meetings is like literally the number one thing for me because it's like at least during that hour, I'm going to be, you know, focused on you guys getting the calls from the sponsees. You know, I got a call yesterday from a newcomer which was an amazing thing to be able to connect with a newcomer. So important for me to talk to newcomers and remember what's it like to just not know how to get through one day, you know, just get through one day. Cause that's what this is. It's just, you know, one day at a time. But of course, sometimes it calls, especially, you know, look at what's, what's going on, you know, right now. And I wasn't a, you know, close the drapes um, and eat and isolate um, compulsive overeater, believe it or not. I was actually never comfortable um, doing that. My whole thing was if someone else was there with me um, during the binge, um, I wasn't doing anything wrong. That was, how, that was how I saw it. So if someone saw what I was doing, then what's the problem? Um, but I can only imagine um, how um, if I was in this disease and, you know, what this quarantine would be like um, versus, um, versus what it's like today. And, you know, what it's like today is, you know, like I said this morning, it's like I had, you know, time with my, you know, beautiful daughter um, this morning and had real quality, you know, an hour and, you know, 45 minutes, just me and her, um, you know, listening to a little bit of music, listening to the podcast, um, but really, you know, um, connecting with her. And that's, that's my higher power, because if this was um, before program, I would find a way to binge during my feeding of my own daughter because I would probably figure out a way to hold the bottle, hold the food, do this, um, and do that because I'm a real compulsive reader and I know how to I know how to get stuff done. So, what's your abstinence like though now? It's um, well, it's, uh, my my abstinence is three meals, an optional snack, and then I also have a food plan um, that I that I follow with you know certain foods that for me are are big triggers. Um, and look, you know, lately it's been harder to always have the healthiest stuff around, but trying to, you know, make more of an effort to, you know, have, you know, have vegetables at every dinner and, you know, try to incorporate the stuff that really, you know, needs to be in there and makes me feel better. So. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Tamika in Washington, D.C. area. Hi, Josh. Hi, Carla. Hey. <laughs> Like, oh my gosh, my friend Carla. Um, uh, thanks so much for your lead. Great lead. And, uh, you know, great to see everybody um, that I knew from before. So I have kind of like a twofold question. Um, when your program has to change, if we all have experience with right now, um, you know, what are some practical things that you've been able to do? Like one, um, you know, having a baby, I'm going to have a baby in three weeks, also my first. So I'd just be interested to hear kind of um, 
how you kept the door to OA open um, <laughs> during that. And then if you ever went through a time, like when you had a kind of a long time where you went through a long period where you didn't have any sponsees, um, which being new again, I'm currently in that situation, how uh, you connected to your program and worked your program without sponsoring anyone, if you have that experience. Thanks so much. Yeah. Well, first of all, if anyone's looking for a sponsor, Tamika is available, so please get her info. <laughs> um, but uh, no, um, very exciting time and congratulations to you. Um, uh, people can tell you, um, and, and, and my wife thought I was crazy, but probably is happy that I did it, that literally within, I think, eight days of when the child came, I couldn't go. The child came on Friday, so yesterday was 10 weeks ago. I couldn't get to the meeting on that Sunday, which I was ready to do. You know, we got back from the hospital Saturday night, and I was like, oh, am I going to the meeting tomorrow? She's like, no, you're not going to the meeting tomorrow. But that following weekend, I did get to the meeting. And, of course, I couldn't bring her um, to the meeting because she was, you know, a week old. Um, but I had, you know, made that plan and needed that to happen. Um, and I was calling my sponsor from the, you know, not the delivery room, but from the hospital, you know, um, as everything was um, unfolding. And um, it's actually, you know, been nice um, program-wise to have the, have the Zoom meetings in terms of where, what stage I am in my life because um, I bring my child to the meetings. We do the feedings oftentimes during when, when my meetings are or I just hold her. Um, and I'm able to still um, still do the meeting, and it you know fully works out. You know I think I'm a better um, better dad for it. You know so I uh, there there are ways to uh, the the program can handle so many so many different things, including this. That's for sure. And my higher power can certainly handle it too. Um, Veronica B. Oh, hi, thank you so much for uh, calling on me and your share. Uh, so my question is, you know, I'm in program a little bit over 10 years and I've uh, let my disease kind of creep back in and I've become complacent and I'm supposed to um, uh, create a concept of my God and really God, I mean, I just don't, I don't feel very inspired uh, to do that. I just want to know your experience when you were, uh, you know, uh, on step two, when you got to create your concept of your higher power. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Look, one of the things that I, that I usually you know, share about, love to share about are kind of, you know, God shots, which are like things that happen in my life where there's no explanation for them, except that there would be um, a higher power. And for me, I, um, believed in the higher power um, before I came into program. I chose to call it God, but I didn't think about my higher power very often. You know, I'd go to religious ceremonies or whatever, and I would do stuff that would have, you know, religion or whatever involved, but it wasn't something that was part of my kind of daily um, routine or, or daily um, part of my life or thinking, you know, thinking about. Um, and it wasn't until I got in the program that I realized how much my higher power is guiding me and in my life. And that when I go to my higher power, how much I can get um, fr fr from my higher power. And look, it doesn't have to be God. I choose to call it um, God, but I have plenty of sponsees um, that don't believe in God. And, you know, I've heard some really fun 
um, interpretations of higher powers. In Australia, one of the most fun ones I heard was someone had said from an AA meeting that their higher power was this train that was on the street that had all the bars because that train was able to go past all the bars without stopping. So put that train next to, you know, the, um, you know, X, Y, and Z fast food place. And that's my higher power because I couldn't stop, you know, because not being, you know, not stopping and, and so on. All right, cool. Ter Terrell, thank you. Um, and um, let's see what we got. It's now time for secretary's announcements.